Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Well, it's a blessing. I appreciate it. I know the pat. You, know, you, have, you need a pastor. Not that he wants to be the boss. I've always told preacher boys he's not the dictator. But he keeps all the other taters from being dictators. Um, and so that's why you need a, a, a godly pastor like him. I appreciate you me. This is his pulpit. I'll, I'll share something else, too. This is, not the, this is not the church's pulpit. This is his pulpit. That's why you, you don't tell him what to preach. God tells him what to preach. Now, if he's preaching heresy and so on, he won't repent, then the church can fire him, you know, whatever. But um, I do appreciate being here. I appreciate Brother Steve. You got a jail ministry. Amen. Man, I love that. Amen. Uh, that's so necessary. That's How true. many jails do you go to, sir? Well, I've been in the prisons in Tennessee, a couple, three, four, one in Kentucky before, but right now we go to wow. Blount County uh, regularly. And then, uh, it looks like we'll be You're right. Going like in Ohio, you can't get in the jails hardly now anymore. The political correctness is getting crazy. Uh, I, I've preached in hundreds of jails. And uh, but the, we used to call it the, what you were talking about. We called it the bullpen, and he's right. They would let me in in death row with seventy-five guys. If they decide to slip my throat, there's nothing stopping them but God, you know. And uh, but they used to be. I preached in jails where you take tracks, you could take Bibles, anything, and they trust you. Now what they're concerned about, you know this. They don't like the staples. That's right. Yeah. Got to remove those staples, you know. But I really appreciate his ministry. Maybe God will enlarge it. Amen. Um, Thank you, Lord. Man, that's a great ministry. Man. Yeah, that's right. Um, I got books. People were asking me. About, I bought some books. If you people don't like to read, but I got a book on on uh, what is a Baptist? Why be a Baptist? Yep. And yep. I got several of those. And um, and then got one on the pro, the prodigal son. Got eight sermons on the prodigal son um, and the elder brother. I yep. called the prodigal Bobby. I called the older brother Bill. So if that's your name, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> And so, but if you're interested, I, I'm going to keep it short. Uh, I had a great mission trip. I had seven goals, uh, but, it, but you know, you never know if it's God's goals, and all seven were accomplished. And so it looks like in a few, about five, six weeks, I, I was supposed to go to Africa. Let me just share with you what I'm up against, and, that, and I, I'd like you to pray for me. You see, over there in Africa, Pentecostalism is big. Because Pentecostalism, it's all about feelings. It's not about doctrine anymore. Well, that plays in the, in the culture of Africa because they like voodoo. And so the Pentecostal churches are playing footsies with voodoo. Now, if you don't know what voodoo is, like an Africanist, you know what voodoo is, it translates into? The golden calf. It's Satanism. It's pure Satanism is what it is. Well, I'm supposed to be going to Ghana Come to find out, two of the Baptist churches are messing around with voodoo. I go, you are kidding me. My guy over there, his name is a brony wisdom. So I lost the Navy SEAL guy. His name is Abba uh, Gamichu. And, and a lot of times, too, the issue I'm having in Africa is they want money. They see a white man, and they think that I'm Donald Trump. And, you know, and they want money. And I, it's not that I won't give money. It's just... That's not what we're about. If you're after money, then go to the Pentecostals. Um, that's not what we're about. So um, now there's two plagues that have broken out. One is yellow fever. 
So it looks like I'm going to Australia. I've got a platoon there. Then I'll be going to the Philippines again. Then, Lord willing, in June, I'll be going to Africa. I'll let you know, but that Africa thing, I'm not scared, but I've been around this stuff a little bit. You better not be naive about it. I'm not going to be naive about it. So I really need your prayers. I had a guy supposed to go with me, and he backed out. So I guess I'm going by myself. And so God is really blessing. Uh, We're growing. The seminary is growing. We've got Stellar Baptist Seminary. We've got 26 students. Um, I think, I've been asking churches if they can support me, support me. But I think probably in a year, maybe a year and a half, two years, I will call churches up and say, okay, drop me. And here's why. My ministry is different. I'm teaching these guys to be leaders. The Navy SEAL, I borrow a lot from the Navy SEALs. When the Navy SEALs are out in a combat mission, they can't necessarily call up headquarters and say, what do I do? Right. You better know what to do. Right. And you take right. leadership. Yep. And that's the problem with some of these uh, third world country preachers. They're good followers, but need to be good leaders. Yeah. Take, take charge, lead. So if, if God will help me and, and these guys do become proficient and they can lead, well, then I'm yeah. not necessary. And so I would just ask that you would pray for me. And, and I'm thinking about quitting my job to go full-time. That's either faith or it's insanity. Um, but I, I, I think that's what God wants me to do. Praise and God. I just love coming here. Uh, I love your pastor. I, I mean, there's just, I don't know if you know it. Now, again, he doesn't like this. We're here to brag on Christ. But uh, you, there's not many pastors like Tommy Boring. Uh, and you just don't know that because you don't get around. I get around. And there's not many. They're either real starchy legalists or they're playboys. Um, I, you know, I just, um, I really like Tommy Boring. You better keep him. <laughs> When's the last time he's had a raise? You guys pay your pass? They pay your pass? They pay you here, don't they? Oh, yeah. I got in trouble, uh, when was it? This morning. I got, this guy doesn't believe in paying his pastor. And so I said, well, you've been wrong before. You know? <laughs> uh, that's crazy. I just, okay. Open your Bibles to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. Is this my water preacher? It is. Okay. Stand with me. And I know your knees may hurt a little bit, but if you stand with me. 1 Kings 19. Just two verses. And then I'll, I'll comment on uh, this whole chapter, I think. All right, here we go. First Kings chapter 19, verse 8 and 9. And he arose and did eat and drink in reference to Elijah and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights. That's pretty amazing. Unto Horeb, the Mount of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? The title of the message is, Come Out of the Cave. Let's pray. Your Father, I pray that you'd use this message. And Lord, I do feel weak tonight. I was hoping I would. Because uh, right now, I have no confidence in the flesh. I pray that you would uh, keep me from saying things the wrong way. My personality can be abrasive. But dear Lord, this is no time to worry about that. So I just give all this next 40 minutes to thee. 
that the Holy Spirit would preach through me, speak through me, encourage your people, help me to be a blessing tonight. When people go home tonight, I pray that they'll go home feeling like they've been helped. And I think we could almost end the service right now. And I, I think it's been a great night. But Lord, you said that we're not to despise uh, prophesying. So Lord, bless this message. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I brought my blanket tonight in case I get cold. <laughs> it's not too cold in here. That's not why I brought it. The title of the message is Come Out of the Cave. Now, I'll get right to the point. And I don't know, you know, Baptist, you hear what he said? He said, you know, leave your mask and leave your phoniness outside. Not that, what, he, what he's saying is, like, this primitive Baptist church here, this is supposed to be a hospital yeah. right. where you get some help, yep. you know. Yep. But if you don't pull the bandage off, the doctor can't help you. Yep. I, I think that's what he's talking about. He's not, yep. he's not telling you that you're a fake. We all put up fronts sometimes. Yep. So let me, let me uh, I almost changed this message, but I think God wants me to preach this message. And that is this, whether you admit it or not, Christians get discouraged yeah. <laughs> and we get depressed. Now, I, I don't think, I think part of our problem is, is we don't appreciate the importance of contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain, right? I got a message, I called them twin sisters. Godliness and contentment, twin sisters. And you need both of them. Yep. Okay? But here we have a guy named Elijah, and he was a man of like passions like we And he got discouraged. Yep. In fact, he got so discouraged, he said, you know, I'm not going to kill myself, but I wish you'd kill me. Yep. Basically, in my life. I want to ask you tonight, are you, are you hugging your self-pity tonight? You know, and here's what's wild. You think, well, you've got a Christian here that's only been saved five years. It could be the pastor. It could be Steve. Yeah. It could be the pastor's wife. It could be one. It could be one of the most faithful Christians here, and you're struggling with self-pity. You're struggling with depression. There is a man who often stands between me and thy glory. His name is self, self-seeking self, stands twixt me and thy glory. Yep. Why do you think the, Paul said, you know, or Jesus said, lose your life? <clears throat> I've, been, I've been concentrating on that for years now. Lose your life. Lose your life. How do I do that? But I, I remember what the Lord told Baruch. He said, seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. See, because if you're always looking for what profits you, what butters your toast, you're going to be disappointed. Because I don't know if you notice, this is not the Garden of Eden down here. You know, we're we're going to heaven. That's, but I think we can have a little bit of heaven here, like we just now, when you get to really enjoy Jesus Christ. Amen. The the chief duty of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But we Baptists, you know. We believe in God. We we praise God. But we don't enjoy Him. You know, God ought to be your banana split. Yeah. Amen. You know, how do you eat a banana split with a smile on your face? That's yeah. how you. Eat. And we ought to enjoy God. So sometimes it could be the pastor, it could be a Sunday school teacher. But what will it take to get you out of your cave? 
Some of you are in a cave tonight. What is it going to take to get you out of your cave? Number one, the devil's intentions. Now, the devil's business is to get frontline workers like Brother Steve, like some of you other preachers, you faithful men, to get you in a cave to where you feel sorry for yourself. Maybe you've got financial problems. Maybe your marriage is not doing good. Um, you know, you can't change your wife, but you can change you. Yep. Yep. And, you know, if you keep browbeating your wife, it's probably going to make it worse. And so you withdraw, you, you, you get inside yourself, you're always checking your pulse, am I happy, why am I not happy, what is wrong with me, and you get so introspective, you see, and then what happens when you get in that cave, that dark, damp cave, now you're useless to God, and you're not going to help anybody else either, yeah. now you put on a fake smile, oh, that's good, right. I think maybe you should do that, but man, I sure like to get some help tonight, Yeah. so... Are you in a cave tonight? Now look, if you will, verse 9. Elijah came to this cave, and it says he came thither unto a cave. Notice, he didn't go in there to just get away from the sun. He lodged there. Right. See that? Sometimes you end up staying there longer than you thought you would. Maybe you fell into sin. I've heard that tonight. There's a problem with drugs and so on. That didn't exist 30 years ago. But now it's a problem. And we need to help these people. Yep, yep. That's like going to the jail and preaching in the jail. Some of these guys, man, they, they get on this fentanyl. I talked to one guy. He died seven times. Yeah. And I said, man, look, you're lost. You're going to hell. You realize that? I said, why? You know that you're going to hell. He goes, yep. I go, why do you, why do, you do that? He goes, I don't care. Let me tell you, if the grace of God doesn't shake him up, he ain't getting saved. Amen. I mean, God's going to have to do it. Amen. You say, well, his free will, this is his free will is a slave to his own passion. That's right. That's right. And he right. needs an amazing, That's right. um, amazing work of grace done on him. Amen. When you in sin or you're not living right, you blame yourself, you blame God, you blame others, you blame your parents, you blame the preacher, and you get in this kind of like a funk, like a vortex, and now Satan has got you on the ropes. Jesus said, Simon, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he may sift thee as wheat. David was a pretty pretty strong guy, a man after God's own heart. The devil got him, didn't he? And the devil can get you. You think Satan's a kitty cat? No. He's a lion, man. He's a lion. The Lord fed Elijah, verse 5 through 8. You can see there, take a look at that. Verse 5 through 8, when Elijah was under that juniper tree... And you know what he needed? Elijah was so disgusted. Now, I'm going to maybe uh, disagree with some of you on this. People say that he ran away from Jezebel because he was afraid. Um, well, then, look, he said, God just killed me. If you want to die, just stay with Jezebel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think what happened to Elijah, and because I, kind of, I can relate with I'm not a great man like Elijah, but I have the same type of personality Elijah does. See, he was prepared... At that brook, Kara, remember? And they dried up. Then he went to that widow's house, remember? Yeah. And God taught him a lesson there. Then he went to the Mount Carmel. And man, it was 4th of July. And the the fireworks went off. And Baal was put down. And now God, he is the God of Israel. And you know what Elijah was thinking? Yes! Revival has come. Reformation has come. This is what I was born to do. This is what God's called me to do. 
And then he prayed and prayed, and the rain came, remember? Yep. And then Jezebel said, I'm going to kill that pencil man. I'll bless that I do. And the nation didn't turn back to God. Yeah. You know what he thought? What's he? I'm faithful. Yeah. I'm no better than my father. Yeah. <laughs> I thought God was going to use me. I thought I was going to be Charles Spurgeon, kind of revival, George Whitfield. Nope. So he took off and he sat underneath that juniper tree and he thought to himself, I'm a loser. I'm no good. And then an angel came and said, uh, hey, you want something to eat? <laughs> now, you know, James Dobson wasn't around to give him any counsel, you know, so well, how do you counsel a guy like this? Oh, you want some pork chop? Well, I can do a pork chop for the Jew, but, you know, you, you know, you want some beef brisket? You know, some bread? Gravy? Some grits? Yeah, I'm hungry. Yeah. All right, now what do I do? Get some sleep. That's good counsel. Because see, he had a hot head and empty stomach. You know what you need to do? He gets something to eat and go to sleep. So then he woke up. The Lord said, hey, you want something to eat? He fed him again. That was good. And then he went in the strength of that for 40 days. Now, it's not over. So then he goes to this cave. And he goes in that cave. He's still brooding. He's still, he's still down on himself. So number two, the Lord's questions. Now, when you're in a cave of despondency and self-pity, I will say this. You forget to be reverent. You know how we pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, blessed sovereign God in your covenant, keep you mercy. And we pray. You know, but sometimes when you're ticked off and you've got a bad attitude, you know what you say? Yeah, I do want to be angry. That's how you talk to God. Isn't it a good thing God doesn't knock us down when we're a little irreverent? Because he understands. Right now, you're not in a good mood. You've got a bad attitude. God understands. At least you're talking to him. Um, So Elijah's in that cave, and he's not very reverent or submissive. He's confused. And so what does he do? Now, so God comes to him and he says, what doest thou here, Elijah? Now, I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to kind of cooperate with me tonight. Does God want to give revival? Yes. Yes, yes. okay. Um, does God want his people to repent? Yes. Yes. Does the Lord want wickedness and idolatry to be overthrown? Yes. Yes. And shouldn't the Lord call more men to preach? Or at least we want him to call more men to preach, right? Yes. Right, right. And this is exactly how Elijah was thinking. Now look at me. And God didn't do it. Right. See, now look. And you're looking at the world's worst culprit here. Sometimes when you study the Bible, study the Bible, study the Bible, you study theology, you think you understand what God's doing. And I'm going to look at me. I do not understand God. I haven't got him figured out. Amen. Um, he uses people that I wouldn't use. <laughs> he blesses people that I don't know why he blesses them. <laughs> I mean, God does stuff, and then God doesn't do what I thought he would do. I mean, I, I mean my uh, son and daughter-in-law, they're begging God to save her mother. She's a wicked woman, and she died yesterday. And I told him, I said, no, look, she may have got saved. They were whispering the gospel in her ear, my son and my daughter-in-law. I said, so maybe God saved her. And you don't know about it. I mean, if, if it hadn't been recorded in the Bible, you'd never know the dying thief got saved. Right. 
Right. Right. right. But she made no profession of faith. So did she go to hell? I don't know. Right. I'll tell you, once they die, I don't make declarations like that. Right. You just don't do that. I don't think that's right. Amen. But I'm just saying, I don't have God all figured out. Is God going to turn America around? I don't know. I know one thing, God doesn't need America. He said, well, God would never put down America. He did Israel. He sent the Babylonians in, the Chaldeans and the Assyrians. And they were God's chosen people nationally. God, this for you, we're not. Right. You say, well, God wouldn't do that to us. Well, what about the Chinese Christians? They're suffering. What about those Christians in Vietnam? What do you think, we're God's pet? So my point is, is sometimes God doesn't do what you thought he would and should do. And when he doesn't, you feel like either you failed or he failed. So what doest thou here, Elijah? And Elijah, let's look at his answer. Uh, verse 10. Now watch this. And I think he may have said this with a little attitude. You, you can decide. Verse 10. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. That's pretty bad, isn't it? Can you imagine preachers being killed left and right? And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, here's the thing. The Lord said, what doest thou here? See, what the Lord is saying is, look, why are you in the cave? You know, I understand why Obadiah hides prophets in the cave. I understand that. But what are you doing in the cave? Jezebel ought to be in the cave. But here's the thing. If you're going to just sulk and feel sorry, why would you pick a cave? It's dark. It's damp. It's got lizards and bats and ants and the spiders. And somebody, what doest thou here, Elijah? I mean, I took care of you at Kareth. I took care of you at the widow's house. What did I do with Mount Carmel? Now look at you, you're in this cave hiding out like a bat. <laughs> what doest thou here, Elijah? So he gives the answer. Now here's what Elijah is saying. You got problems. God, you know why? Because I'm the only guy you got left. <laughs> and when they kill me, I don't know what you're gonna do. <laughs> Isn't that what he's thinking? You know, sometimes we do. We act like we're I know I do, I'm just an idiot. We act like we're you know, if it wasn't for me, I don't know what God would do. Yeah. You know, I'm God's pet. You know, I'm God's ace one preacher boy, you know. <laughs> so the Lord has to work him over now. Yep. And this is where the message is going to take off, okay? The Lord asked him, he goes, what's the matter? You know what God's doing with Elijah? This is so cool about God. God is so patient with you. When you got a bad attitude, you ain't loving right. Do you know God loves backslidden Christians? You know that? He does. And so God is patient. Notice he notice that God didn't rebuke him. He just asked a question. Like he did Jonah. Doest thou well to be angry? That's right. That's a great question. What doest thou here, Elijah? And so Elijah is basically feeling sorry for himself. I stood up for you at Carmel. I did what you told me to do. I rebuilt the altar. I poured water on it. I risked my life. I was jealous for you. And then the fire came down for what? What was that all about? All the fire and all the... You know, I killed those 400 Baal prophets. I killed every one of them. 
just like you wanted me to. For what? Nobody turned. So Elijah feels like God let him down, see? And he feels like he's not appreciated. Pastors need this message, man. <laughs> yeah. There's pastors, and you know them, man. There's pastors all around greater Knoxville. Yeah, and, man, they're discouraged. Yeah, sure. um, yeah, we know. I'm telling you, man, the church, yeah. church buildings are empty. They're empty. And pastors are just there. And one guy I talked to him, he goes, it's my fault. He goes, he goes, maybe I'm not called. He's just down on himself. Now, do you ever get this way? You ever get down on yourself? When you look around and you see the apostasy, the, the compromise everywhere, the carelessness of Christians, the apathy. In fact, there's probably folks that could be here tonight and they're not. Right. You know, they should be here or not. Yeah. I will say this. If you keep looking at Christians, you'll get discouraged. That's right. you got to stop that. Get your eyes on the Lord. The Bible says exhort one another. It didn't say rebuke one another. You know, I mean, we got to exhort each other. But, you know, you just, you've got to get your eyes on Christ. And so, cave Christians. Now, notice what God didn't do. He didn't argue with him. You know what God does? Now listen, this, this is kind of the thesis of the message. God can't, now look at me. God can't do anything with Elijah until he gets him to come out of that cave. Because as long as you stay in that cave, that dark, damp, cold, smelly cave, you stay in there, you're not going to, God can't do anything with you. So watch what happens. Look if you will. We're in verse 11. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind. Yeah. Rent the mountains. Man, that's a pretty strong wind. And break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. Yeah. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Now watch this. And after the fire, a still small voice. Verse 13. And it was so when Elijah heard it. Not the fire. Not the earthquake. See? Not the strong wind. That, that, that voice. That he wrapped his face in the mantle and went out and stood in the inner end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him. Watch this. And said... Same question. Same question. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, will you please notice that Elijah, see, he's, he's in the back of that cave because the Bible says go forth. So I think what's going on, man, he's, you know, he's in that cave. It's kind of damp. And he's got that thing over him, you know. If you imagine somebody walked in right now. <laughs> and he's in that cave and he goes, come forth. So he's coming out of that cave. So he's in the back of that cave. And he comes out and he sees that wind blowing. And he feels the tremble of the earthquake. And then he sees the fire. And man, he's thinking, man, this, this, that reminds me of Mount Carmel. He's thinking, well, you see, God wasn't, the Mount Carmel thing, that wasn't what was the big deal. So now he's coming out, see? And now he's in the mouth of the cave. And then he hears the Lord's voice. What do is thou here, Elijah? Now, here's what's so cool. I never saw this before. You know what the Lord was doing? 
The Lord was getting to come out of the cave. <laughs> now he's in the sunshine. He's out in the sunshine. Now he can hear the voice. See, one of the reasons why you and I, we don't hear the voice of God speaking our hearts because you're so depressed and you hug yourself. Pity, you've been miserable for so long. You're so negative. You're down on God. You're down on yourself. And you're in that cave just brooding, right? Well, God can't do anything with you. You're so negative. You're like a dill pickle. You know? You know how you know why I can talk that way? I have got the personality. I really get down on myself. Yeah, right. And I, you know, I just do. And if I make a big mistake, man, I just, I, I punish myself. The devil, man, the devil, he loves me because he don't have to do anything because I do it on myself. <laughs> um, that small divine whisper, that voice. So my last point, some personal decisions. Then we'll close. Perhaps Elijah did repent, repeat his mantra. Look at verse 14. Remember in verse in verse um, 10, you see his answer. I think verse 10 was with attitude, if you'll allow that. Now look at verse 14. God asked the same question again. This time, I think Elijah's tone changed. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He repeats it. Now, this is really interesting. And the Lord said unto him, Now, you would think that the Lord would look at him and uh, deal with these issues that he brought up. You know, I mean, because, I mean, I, I would think him and God are having a dialogue. So yeah. why doesn't God say, Now, well, all right, number one, yeah. and number two, God doesn't God ignores it. Yeah. He ignores all the complaints. Man, I'm telling you, I relate to this. Because I wish God would argue with me and straighten me out. But sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got all these complaints. God, why this? God, why that? Guess what? God doesn't do questions. Man. God doesn't do questions. Like Job. Remember in Job? Job had all those complaints and all those questions. And then he gets to the end of the book. And you would think, now God's going to answer all those things. And Job says, no, you don't need to answer anything. Because now I see, and I repent in dust and ashes. I think when you get to heaven, you're not going to have all the questions. When you see how good God is, how glorious heaven is. And man, you're sinless. You hate yourself. And man, I mean, you are sinless. Guess what? All those nagging questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are you complaining about now? I mean, you, you, you know, you went through a valley for 40, 50 years. Now you get to live with the Lord forever and ever and ever. You got your I mean, come on. Amen. For the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, the Bible says, right? So the Lord shows him, though he was seek. Here's what I think. When you're discouraged, disgusted, and just so mad and angry inside, God can't straighten you out. He's got to straighten out that attitude first. Get you in the sunshine. Get you out of that foreboding cave, that dark, damp cave. You're so depressed. You're so down on yourself. He gets you out of the sunshine. And then once he did, he said, what doest thou here? And he repeats his answer, verse 14. Then the Lord said, okay, you done? 
You done feeling sorry for yourself? Yeah, got to take off your chicks. Yeah, yes, sir. Okay. Go return in thy way of the wilderness of Damascus. <laughs> and when thou comest, anoint Hosea, the king, the king over Syria. 16. The Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over yep. Israel. And Elisha, the son of Saphat, and Abel Maholash, Mahola, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that he that escapeth the sword of Hosea shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha shall. Okay? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, you ready? Are you done? Yes, sir, I'm done. Oh, oh, oh by the way, I've got 7,000 heaven bound to be the bail. So, guess what? You're not the Lone Ranger without Tonto. Okay? I've got 7,000 stiff-legged prophets that have not bowed the knee. Now, are you done? Yes, sir, I am done. Okay, get busy. Now, I know that doesn't sound like Christian psychology. But that's the way God handled that. Now I think that's the way you and I need to take a good look at this. Let me give you some amazing facts. Number one, God takes care of the results. One of the things, I think Tommy Boring, one of the things that helps him pastor, he doesn't have to save people. He throws out the gospel net and the gospel net catches them. You know, how many people, you've had some people saved here recently, right? So that takes the frustration out of him. See, you got to see the big picture here. This is God's church. Brother Tommy doesn't have to build a church. Jesus said, I'll build a church. I like what Warren Wearsby said. You take care of the depth. God takes care of the breath. You take care of the depth. That's his preaching. See, he can't reproduce sheep. Shepherds don't reproduce sheep. Sheep reproduce sheep. So his job is to feed the flock. And he does it, doesn't he? I mean, he really does. All right? So you got to get out of the cave. Number two, you can, what you can do, you should do. What can you, like Steve, I mean, uh, maybe he could be passing a church somewhere, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to work in jail. Okay, then that's what he can do. Yeah. And he should do it. And who knows? God may even increase his load. He may become real busy. Is that your full-time job or you have another job? Besides that, no, I work. you work. So see, the day may come. You may have to quit that job. <laughs> It'd be great to get some support to where you could do that, right? Yeah. yeah. So what will the Lord do with Elijah? See, Elijah was wrapped up in his mantle. You know what the mantle is? The mantle is a type of the ministry. And here's what we preachers do. Let me let you on the secret. We preachers, sometimes we wrap ourselves up in our ministry. And we hide behind it. And that's not good. Remember what Elijah did before he left? He took his, his mantle. Yeah. And smoked the river. Yeah. And it split. And then, as he went to heaven, that thing came down. And Elijah got it. And he said, give me a double portion of thy spirit. Remember? So I think what we should do, not just preachers, not just pastors, but all of you that are good, godly leaders, don't wrap yourself up in your ministry. Don't go hide in a cave and feel sorry for yourself because you don't feel like you measure up. Because, see, you do measure up in Christ, number one. But number two, leave the results to God. Elijah was a huge success. Yeah. 
Now Noah, you know, his Sunday school only ran eight. <laughs> right? But Noah was a success. You know why Noah got drunk? He just finished his building program. Building broke the ark. That's it. Um, if you never built a building, you wouldn't understand. Um, but I think Elijah was the kind of guy, he was, he was high, high octane. He was so, you know, so like a pit bull man yeah, on yeah. steroids. Yeah. But then when God didn't do what he thought God would do, then it made him feel like he failed. It's not on you. It's hard. See, because you love this church, right? If this church had a church split... You'd probably take it personal, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. But it may not be your fault. <coughs> so, what doest thou here, Steve? What doest thou here, Brother Tommy? What doest thou here, Elijah? Why are you so depressed, discouraged? Not to say you don't have problems. you got problems, and I wouldn't minimize that. But God can fix it. You know, you ever think about this? Maybe the reason why God's not fixing your problem is because God's trying to fix you. Amen. <laughs> Remember? Yeah. He's yeah. using your problem to improve your prayer life. Because when everything's hunky-dory, right. we don't pray very earnestly, do we? That's right. <laughs> come out of the cave, Elijah. Come out of the cave. It's time to come out. I love you. I hope you don't think that I'm making light of your depression, your discouragement. I'm not. No. No. It's good. It's I'm just saying if you stay in the cave, God can't use you. And you're not going to help the rest of us. Come out of the cave. Come out. It'll be all right. And uh, you're not a failure. I'll tell you one thing. A failure is basically the only way you're going to succeed. You have to fail once in a while. But remember, sometimes what you call a failure is not what God calls a failure. You know? Let's let God be God on this stuff. Amen. And 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 don't live in the past. Amen. Don't live in the past, man. That'll kill you. So come out of the cave. Bow our heads for prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to take this message personal. Yes, Lord. And I hope you can tell that I'm not browbeating anybody. I promise you, I'm not. I I struggle with some of this. But uh, lately, I've come out of the cave. Thank you, Jesus. And that's why I preach this tonight. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you bless these dear people. And tonight, I, I felt like everybody was kind of happy and chipper. And, and I saw, so I wonder, Lord, why do you want me to preach this message? Well, is it possible because there is somebody here that they are struggling? They get happy when they're in God's house, and they're sincere about that. But when they go home, they're right back into their trials and troubles, and they're right back into that cave. And uh, so we never know who it is. And typically, the person that we didn't think would ever struggle with this is the very person that struggles. So I pray tonight that you will help them to come out in the sunshine, that they can hear that still, small voice, and that they can get some help, that you love them. And you're not done with them. There's a work for them to do. They need to to train uh, an Elisha 
They need to appoint some, do some other job. There's a Sunday school te- class they need to teach, or there's a, 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 a singing group they need to organize. There's, there's a work for them to do. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bless your people tonight. Thank you for Pastor. Pray to be with him. Give him wisdom and give him encouragement. Who knows? Uh, it's kind of lonely being a pastor because, humanly speaking, who is his pastor? And so, Lord, I pray that you'll just minister to Brother Tommy and uh, help him with all of his burdens. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord.